Hey, hey, and welcome to another podcast, Valley Sunday. I am one of your hosts, Chris Paco. And I'm your other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? Super good. How about you, Paco? Very good. Very, very good. I got to say, one thing I've noticed is we always like introduce the show with the name, but we never say in the intro what the show is. I just assume if people are listening, they know it's a monkey's podcast. This is... This oh sh- can't say the M word for copyright reasons. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I wonder if the people who are just like, I really like Sundays. Let's see what this is about. <laughs> and then they they wonder, oh, okay, I didn't know it was about an animal show. It starts with a song that's not a monkey song. Exactly. Yeah, people are all like, what is this? What am I listening to? But this is a monkey's fan companion podcast, and uh, we're uh, coming into the home stretch of the series. There's uh, 58 episodes. We're on 51. Went by in a flash, didn't it, Paco? It really did. It really did. Especially now that these episodes are getting so streamlined and zany. It's like they're like greased lightning to the end, I think. (laughs) For real. (laughs) So today we're talking about the monkey's paw, which is something I think every monkey's fan knows when they hear it. But then when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, that this has a totally different vibe than I thought it did, at least for me. is not the one about Davy's grandfather. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought. <laughs> the monkey's paw. <laughs> Get it. I've got to quit the band, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Little George Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember you being in that episode. I was actually standing for Little Davy Jones. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Thank you for that legitimate tea. George Harrison. Little George Harrison, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. But yeah, so uh, this one's directed by James Frawley again. He's really taken us home. Written by yeah. Coslo Johnson, Paul Mazursky, and Neil Beerston, also taken mm. us home. And mm. originally aired on January 29th, 1968. All right, so we open up on uh, some adult in a suit listening to Going Down. He seems to really dig it. He is digging it. Yeah. That's the only way you can dance with that song. It's true. And <laughs> if, uh, you know, a little foreshadowing here. It's the only time this guy's cool. He's he's a total dick this whole episode. But right here, you're like, this guy's he's onto something. Like the he's, opening he's into it. Yeah, this opening introduction to this guy, you think he's on your side, but he's not. He's the man. Uh. So uh, he's sitting in this bar. It's empty, and it looks like it's closed because all the chairs are on the tables and stuff. And this is the manager. He's played by Henry Beckman. Mm. So the camera pans from him, and we see the monkeys. On stage and playing together as a band, which, <laughs> wow! if you haven't been listening to this season, they have not done this once, really. They were in Mexico playing. That's the only one I can really think of. I think that they haven't really played on stage since. Yeah. Really, there's been no Battle of the Bands types things. And I got to say, this is not a very uh, convincing portrayal of them doing Going Down. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't see, I don't see no horn section and exactly. such. But Peter's giving her on the bass. Like they're, they're putting in a little effort. Yeah. Well, you got Mike on guitar, Peter on the bass, Davey playing drums, and Mickey singing and playing the tambourine. So I was like, I was wondering if it's because of the song or something. It has like a different setup of the monkeys that we've seen before. But uh, yeah. it is uh, an interesting, an interesting thing to see them playing as a band with that setup. Mm, it's true. It's one of uh, a couple times we see Davey playing the drums throughout the show. Yeah, yeah, and it's always cool. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite setups of the monkeys, them like that, I think. It's a good call, yeah. So the manager says, Okay, you're hired. 
And the boys are so excited that they go over to him and hug him and they're screaming, going crazy. And we see this other old dude looking worried at the sight of these long haired weirdos. And yeah, I thought it was a leftover vampire. Oh, yeah, here we here we goddamn go again. Exactly. Yeah. He, he's in the picture frame. He's like looking out. <laughs> so this guy, he's uh, Mendrick the Magician, and he's played by Hans Conried or Hans Conried or Conride. I don't mm. know how you say it, but anyway, that's him. So the, <laughs> the manager, he tells all the boys that all he's offering them is money, and they get even more excited. And see, this guy seems wicked right now. The manager seems awesome. Yep. So uh, the old guy whimpers over, and he says, well, what about me? Society's darling, the favorite of crowned heads, a triumph at every fraternal convention. Ask any odd fellow. And uh, the manager all of a sudden freaks out on poor Mendrick. He's a little over the top. Like, he really goes off on this guy. You has been, you're fired. Get away from me. And uh, Mendrick says that he's been with him for 12 years. And the manager yells that he hasn't brought him anything. And like, if it's been 12 years and nothing, you should have cut this a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) For real. Mike intervenes and he tells the manager to like, chill out a little bit. And that Mendrick is just extending his hand to him. And he can't just throw him out. And Mendrick stomps on Mike's foot super hard, and he says, Who needs your pity? (laughs) Man, oh man. Whatever this place is, just a bunch of assholes work there, apparently. It's true. And before Mike gets stomped on, they cut to the boys, and Mike's got, not Mike, but Mickey has a a really amusing face. I don't know why. Yeah, he does. So... He loves the drama. Sometimes when they're doing nothing, they crack you up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mickey loves the drama going on <laughs> so this all leads us to the intro one minute 11 seconds possibly the quickest we've seen and they they lay a lot of narrative pipe in just in uh, 71 seconds i'd say yeah it feels quick so we come back to a magician-y type theme which is cool <laughs> And Mike and Peter are standing beside a Mendrek the Magician poster with a cancelled sign over it. And they both oh. think that it's a bummer. Ooh, well, that's kind of a dragon. Yeah, what a bummer, man. So the boys go over to Mendrick, and uh, he asks if they're there to look down on an old man. And they say that they just came over to say that they're sorry. He tells them not to be sorry. People just don't want to see magicians anymore. They want to see reality as it's shown to them on television. And that sounds hmm. like a familiar <laughs> bitter thing. In our day and age as well. <laughs> Oi. So Mickey sees a monkey's paw and he's all grossed out by it. Blech, what's that? And Mendrick said that he got it from an old llama in Tibet. And uh, Mike thinks it's pretty groovy. So Mendrick tells the boys that how he got the paw. And we slide into a fantasy sequence where Mickey is a young Mandrick. And Mike is sleeping on top of the mountain, essentially. <laughs> and so uh, Mendrick tells him that he climbed up to the top of the highest mountain and the high llama was very surprised to see him. And Mike, Mike llama, cause Mike's the llama here. He's sleeping <laughs> and Mickey Mendrick, he wakes him up and uh, Mike freaks out. <laughs> and uh, Mike asks uh, Mickey Mendrick what he's doing up there. Hey, what are you doing up here? You're some kind of complete nut come all the way up here. It's cold and horrible and miserable up here. What are you doing? Mickey says he's come hand over hand and foot over foot to the top of the mountain. And Mike says uh, he has to show him how he did it because he's been trying to get down for years. And then uh, Mike yells to cut off the snow and the snow stops. And uh, (laughs) 
Mickey Mendrake, he, he says uh, he came there looking for the high llama. And Mike tells him that he's out of luck because he's out back sleeping it off. And uh, Mickey says, you don't mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's how I got his name. <laughs> Real subtle like, boys. Yeah, a little subversive in the 1968 <laughs> at 7 o'clock on Monday on NBC. <laughs> for real. So he tells Mickey that he's the regular llama, and that he can call him regular, and maybe he can help. <laughs> so uh, Mickey Mendrick says, tells him this sad, long story, and regular keeps falling asleep. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it, it's really funny when Mickey says, Yeah, I walked for 10,000 miles through burning dens and deserts, uh, sands and deserts. Yeah, they kept it in there. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, because it looks like he's actually laughing, like he actually did yes, screw it up. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so uh mickey tries to ask regular for the tibetan unknown secrets which is a great name for like a very deep cut monkeys cover band <laughs> the tibetan unknown secrets the only play writing wrongs <laughs> oh man but regular doesn't know what mickey's talking about and mickey asks don't you have something for me and regular says yeah he does mickey gets super happy and regular pulls out a summons because Mickey's on private property. So old Mendrick, he says that after much persuasion, the regular llama broke down and gave him the monkey's paw. And then we see uh, Mendrick, or Mickey Mendrake is strangling regular, and Mike, <laughs> Mike just recites what old Mendrick just said. Well, after much persuasion, I, the regular llama, will break down and give you this. It is a monkey's paw. It'll grant you three wishes. And uh, he gives him the monkey's paw. So back to the 54 years ago present, Mickey says that the paw must be priceless, and Mendrick says that it is, but Mickey can have it for a quarter. And I was thinking about it, and I think probably a quarter in 68 is probably like five bucks now, if you think about what a quarter could buy versus what five bucks could buy. Uh, a quarter could buy you a car back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and a house. So the boys think that's a good idea, but before they can say anything, the manager comes back and he freaks out on Mendrick again. And like, maybe they shouldn't work for this guy. He seems like a bit of a hothead. That freaks out over everything. A little bit. So the manager calls Mendrick a bum, and Peter says he's not a bum, and the manager asks if he has a job, and Davey says, well, he just fired him, and the manager says that he's a vagrant, and he tries to kick him out. But Mickey runs over and says he's not a vagrant because he has 25 cents, and he gives Mendrick a quarter. And the manager says he still has to go, and Mickey asks why, and he says, No peddlers allowed! You're all hard. And the manager says, Thank you. And then he kicks Mendrick out the door. Well, that's show business. See, and it's interesting that Mickey's the one. Obviously, plot-wise, it has to be Mickey. But in the yeah. real world, Mickey was totally grossed out by the hand, but Mike thought it was groovy. So it's almost that's like true. Mike should have been the one to buy it because Mickey thought it was gross. But, yeah, you know, again. The thing about Mike and uh, Mickey on the mountain, um, maybe this was the show they went over budget on because they are definitely on a mountain. Yeah, I was There's one, no, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. I read somewhere. They had yeah, to lug up all that somewhere. gear. And yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think they, they almost, uh, I heard uh, a couple crew members almost froze to death and Mike tried to eat them. <laughs> but luckily they got down. <laughs> oh, thank heaven. Phew. So back at the pad, Mickey's on the phone and he says, well, How can we pay our dues unless we work? And then he hangs up. And Mike asks if it was the union and Mickey says yes. He said that we can't work until we pay off our dues. And then Peter says, well, they can't pay off their dues unless they work. And Mickey says that's what he told him. And Davey asks what he said to that. And Mickey says he told him not to confuse him. And then Peter speaks right to the camera about the, the pros and cons of unions. 
You know, it's true that while there is a great deal of moral purpose on the side of the unions, they do tend to want a stranglehold. <laughs> and it's interesting to think they're worried about the union to play these shows. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they haven't had a gig in months. Yeah. And they're worried about paying their union dues. They're in the union. But the, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird that these dudes are like, no, we definitely can't play the spaghetti place unless we tell the union about it. So uh, anyway, while holding the monkey's paw, Mickey says, And I wish there was some way that we could get that money. And instantly there's a knock on the door. The manager walks in and he says he just talked to the union and they said that the boys hadn't paid their dues in a long time. And Mike says, no, they paid their dues at their last job. And the manager asks when that was. And Mike says, it's been a long time. (laughs) So the manager says he'll pay the dues and he'll come out of their first week's pay. And adds that there's going to be a little kickback. And Davey asks what the percentage will be. Good point. Good point. (laughs) And the manager says it'll be 142%. You're all heart. So I'm starting to think with uh, every good thing with the monkey's paw, a bad thing is going to happen as well. How about that? Interesting. So uh, in Mendrick's place, he and his daughter, who's played by Mary Ashley, they're going through his old stuff. And she says she's sorry that he lost his job. And he says not to worry. Today he made a quarter. And they also refer to each other as daughter and father when they talk to each other, which is kind of weird. So daughter asks him where the monkey's paw is, and uh, he's too uh, interested in this bird's cage he's holding, but the bird gets squished when he collapses the cage, which I think, or no, I think the bird's actually just dead in the cage. Yeah. Peter yeah. does the bird squish uh, in an That's earlier later. and yeah, later. Some, some recycled footage. Yeah. And uh, so he tells her that he sold the monkey's paw to one of those long-haired weirdos. And she says, doesn't he remember that the Book of Mysteries said that it was cursed? And he says that it was actually cursed once he sold it, his luck should have changed immediately. And then the phone mm. rings, and it turns out he's won a contest for a million dollars. So it's not immediately, but it is close enough to the time, and your mm. luck's going to change. So back at the pad, Mickey's telling the guys that he believes the monkey's paw is magical because it got them out of their union dues. And Mike protests that it cost them an interest of 142%. Well, 137 wouldn't have been too bad. Davey says that they should see what else it can do. And he says that he's starving. So Mickey asks the monkey's paw for a spaghetti dinner, enough to feed all four of them. And then suddenly a ton of spaghetti falls from like the sky or like at least from the roof. Well, I, uh, I didn't wish for how it should be served. Uh, and this spaghetti looks like dial up modem wires. Like <laughs> looks, that, ain't, that ain't edible. No, that is not food. No, no, not at all. But this doesn't seem to matter to the boys because they're so hungry. I'll eat a mop, sure. Yeah, and then they immediately start to eat the wires, or like spaghetti. So the boys now, later on, they're at the gig, and Mickey's rubbing the monkey's paw, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Everybody deals with their nerves in their own way. So each of the guys comes up to him and tells him to put that thing away, and he can't bring it on stage with them, and he's been obsessed with it. And Mickey says that he has one more wish coming to him. And he knows that he's so hung up on it, and he wishes that he could just stop talking about it. And then suddenly he loses his voice. Dope. So the other dudes go on stage, and Mickey strolls on trying to tell them that he can't speak or sing. But Mike jumps right into going down, doesn't care. And so they get through a verse and a chorus with no singing, and then people start to boo. 
But it's also kind of cool to hear the song. Hear that bass just rolling around is nice. It's a uh, it's a handy karaoke version of the song. Yeah. If you want to take a swing at it, just bring the lyrics up on your phone, and you just try. Yeah. To sing going down. Yeah, you keep up with Mickey on that song. <laughs> you figure out where to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's the whole thing. But also, uh, Mickey Mickey doesn't even have a mic or a mic stand set up for him or anything. So I don't know how they thought he was going to sing anyway. So I would have been able to hear uh, him. He, he just projects. He didn't have a mic earlier either. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so the manager runs on stage and asks what's going on. And uh, Davey tells him that he's doing a really heavy thing right here. <laughs> you know, it's really difficult to do. And the manager says he can do his thing on his own time. But on the manager's time, he's supposed to be singing. And Mike says that he is singing. And the manager says he doesn't hear anything. But Mike says, well, he's not singing with his voice. He's singing with his feet. And then Davey and Peter, they join in with this whole thing. And then Mickey starts to bounce his moccasins around. And the manager just isn't buying it. And Mike says that a lot of people sing with their feet. And if anyone can sing, but not everyone can sing with their feet, they're really trying to sell this. And the manager says that he hired a singer. And Davey and Peter are really building him up. And there's this like hilarious shot of Mickey like sliding around the stage and his feet's going crazy. It's like he's a, like Muhammad Ali kind of. He's dancing around. The manager says that if he isn't singing by tomorrow morning, they're finished. We're in a lot of trouble. But it's like, it's funny the manager gives him till tomorrow morning. It's like he's got a, a room full of people wanting to see a band. The guy's not singing. And he's like, okay, okay, monkeys, you got till tomorrow morning. <laughs> I wonder what the rest of the night was for these people sitting there. Good question. Maybe they got the Jolly Green Giants to step in. Yeah, maybe, probably. So uh, this leads us to the commercial. Oh, when we come back, the boys are trying to get Mickey to say something, but nothing's coming out. <laughs> and Mike tells him that there's nothing wrong with his voice. Are you kidding? Have you ever heard him sing? Ooh. Yeah, Peter, just dropping him. And uh, Davey tells him that the paw isn't magical and he can talk, but still nothing comes out. And I wonder when Mickey's mouthing stuff. I wonder what he's saying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's got to be mouthing something. I wonder what You'll it is. You'll be thrilled to learn that he is mouthing the Gettysburg Address. Is that really what he's doing? Yes. Huh. Well, that's cool. <laughs> and like, at first, like, I read up on it a little. But when he says it, he goes, four score. Like, you can tell he's saying, oh, oh. Like two, okay, oh, oh, okay. Words. So right away, you can tell. It's like, it just looks like it sounds familiar. Yeah, like yeah. Like something, something somebody said. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was it like, ring, he's got to be just rings something. a bell just by looking at it. <laughs> that's pretty wicked. Mm. So uh, the three dudes go into the kitchen, and Mike says they need to put their heads together. And shockingly, they all bump their heads together with a coconut sound. That was the first time that was ever done, by the way. I, I, I read that somewhere. <laughs> I hope so. And Davey says they have no voice, no job, and no rent. Yeah, and the good times can't last forever. Oh. <laughs> and Mike says that all of this started when they got that monkey's paw, and they decide to go talk to Mendrick about it. So over at Mendrick's place, he's on the phone, and he's dressed in a shiny green robe. And he says that he has three minutes to talk to this person, but it's going to cost them $3 million. And he turns over this huge hourglass. And uh, the boys walk in, and he tells them that, to answer the other phones that are ringing, because they're ringing all over the place. And uh, while he's on the phone with somebody, he says that the Taj Mahal would make a great movie palace, but he wants all the concessions as well. And so Peter's talking to Johnny Carson, and he says, like, oh, no, he wants Johnny to be a sh- uh, Mendrick wants Johnny to be a guest on his show. And Mickey's just pawing at the phone lovingly. <laughs> and uh, Mike says that Mendrick is not coming over. 
He's like, he says, because maybe he doesn't like barbecue. And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> I was wondering if maybe he pretends he's talking to Richard Nixon or something. Because I think Nixon liked barbecue or something. I don't know. Oh, maybe. But you can imagine you're working in the NBC prop department and it's, they're like, do you need a dozen phones on the monkey set again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they just have them off to the side at this point. They, they just, <laughs> just rent the phones. Pile of phones. Yeah. <laughs> and Davey says uh, Mendrick wants to buy a whole bunch of these different countries, essentially. Oh, yeah. So Mendrick turns the phones off and he asks what they want. Mike says they're there because of the monkey's paw. And uh, Mendrick instantly turns the phones back on. And Mike tries to tell him about the curse, but Mendrick says he's a very busy man. And they all just skulk out and just then back at the pad, they decide that uh, Mickey, the reason Mickey isn't talking, isn't the monkey's paw. And Peter says it's because he's sick. I don't know why when they Mendrick all of a sudden freaked out when they brought up the monkey's paw. They should have thought there's more to this than we're getting right now, I think. So Mike says, if someone's sick, what do you do? And they cut to a scene where they're by the window where Mickey's in a cauldron and the boys are taking sips of the Mickey soup, essentially. <laughs> and I've never heard of this remedy, <laughs> you know, putting someone in a big cauldron, making soup out of it. It's not just, not just chicken soup. It's Mickey danger chicken soup. Yes. That's what I've written down here too. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey's talking silently with Mr. Schneider and Mr. Schneider's talking silently back to him, and then it suddenly gets heated, and Mickey smashes Mr. Schneider in the face with the monkey's paw. Super hard. Uncalled for. But I don't know what Schneider said, so who knows? Maybe it was called for. And uh, the boys are standing around the cigar, the cigar store Indian, which I don't even... Is that what you even call that anymore? I don't know. It's probably touchy. Yeah, so we'll, probably. We'll call it the, a cigar store indigenous person. <laughs> And, uh, Fair enough. And so the boys are uh, watching Mickey, and Davy says that Mickey hasn't said a thing in 12 hours. And in the background, we can hear Mickey smacking Schneider in the face. And Davy starts <laughs> to crack up a little bit, so he hides his face. And Mike says that Mickey must have forgotten how to talk in 12 hours. Anyone can forget how to talk in 12 hours. It's like, really? Like, <laughs> under extremely awful circumstances, maybe. <laughs> and so... uh Peter says that all they need to do is teach Mickey how to talk. And Davey holds up his hand next to the cigar store indigenous person's hand that's up. And he says, how? And that's, that's it for Davey. He loses it at oh. that point. How? What did you say? <laughs> how? Hilarious young Davey. <laughs> so the boys are in front of a blackboard and has a bunch of things written down on it. All right, now that we've got this all down, Apple, Cat, Harry, Krishna, Legalize, Wisdom, Protus, and, of course, Save the Texas Prairie Chicken. Mike tries to get Mickey to say pencil, but he can't. And then Peter and Davey try as well, but it gets them nowhere. They don't try to say pencil. They try to get Mickey to say pencil. And Davey <laughs> says there's no way that Mickey can sing tonight because he can't even say pencil. And uh, Mike says, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that this is a crayon? Now, crayon, I can say. Now, Sorry to interrupt, but at first I wasn't 100% sure that we'd seen this episode much or if it was on the old tapes, but as soon as you just said, now crayon I could say, like that's, that's familiar, like it just, it sticks with you. You know, you remember that line. Yeah, I, I have a line, the same thing, but a different line coming up, but I'll point it out when we get to it where I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this. <laughs> they try to get him to say pencil, but the only thing he can say is crayon. So later on, Mike says that it must be a mental problem. And if you have a mental problem, where do you go? And so now the boys are in a psychiatrist's office. 
and the psychiatrist, who's played by Severn Darden, he asks Mickey if he's really there because he can't talk. And then Mickey can't answer him. And he's like, why won't you speak up? And it's like, man, <laughs> get your money back now. So the doctor, he pulls out this Horshack test, like the from Welcome Back, Cotter, I guess. Rorschach. Rorschach. <laughs> Rorschach. And so uh, he asks Mickey mm. what he sees. Mike says it looks like flowers. You're such a silly. This is obviously a bunny and a chicken. And then Peter says it looks like a ketchup stain. That is a bunny and a chicken. And Davy says it looks like a bunch of birds dancing. It is a bunny and a chicken. Mike says there's no need to get hostile, and the doctor threatens to hit him. And so the boy's arguing a bit, but the doctor just keeps repeating himself. The bunny and chicken. A bunch of flowers. The bunny and chicken. A tomato ketchup stain. The bunny and chicken. A bunch of birds dancing. The bunny and chicken. That's the line that where I was like, oh yes, I remember oh. this line, no doubt. And uh, I think this doctor and uh, the, the president of that toy company, and Monkey in the Machine, I think they got the same uh, interior decorator. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and so then the doctor kicks Mickey out of the couch, and then he lays down on it himself. <laughs> <laughs> so at the club, the manager asks Mickey if he's singing, and Davey says that he still can't sing, but they've incorporated his silence into the act, and it's bound to be a hit. <laughs> And on stage, Mike, Mickey, and Peter come out like the Marx Brothers and put on a Marx Brothers act. The manager ain't buying it, and he fires them. You notice there's a guy just pushing a mop around in the background for no reason. He keeps coming in and out. <laughs> and that's our buddy David Pearl showing up again. Oh, I'm sorry. Is he on like a consecutive episode streak? Yeah. Now? I think, I think he, almost it's... like since Christmas when they brought yeah. him out. He seems to be in every episode. So uh, the manager tells them that they're never going to work in show business again and to get out. Did you like it? Did you like it? (laughs) That would just be a fun thing to do when you know that he hated it so bad. You just ask anyway, (laughs) just to make him more crazy. So back at the pad, Mickey still can't talk. And Mike can't believe that they got kicked out. And Davey says he understands and essentially describes the Marx Brothers and their whole act. And he says there's no commercial value in it. (laughs) And so... Mike says that they should go back to Mendrick and get it all straightened out. So now all of a sudden they do think it's the monkey's paw because they they have functioning brains. <laughs> so at Mendrick's, Peter comments on how quiet it is now that all the phones are gone. And Mendrick says that now he's made out so much money, he's done with all that. And he just wants to help the unfortunate people like themselves. Oh, how refreshing. <laughs> Which I feel Peter said in a few episodes. I think they're trying to make this a Peter uh, uh, catchphrase. How refreshing. Yeah. He definitely said it a few times. So uh, he asked the boys what he can do for them. And Mike says that ever since they got that monkey's paw, they've got nothing but bad luck. Mickey wished he couldn't talk and now he can't speak. And it's been a stone drag. Do you think it's a bummer? When they say it's a stone drag, do you think it's a bummer? Because it'd be because like to drag a stone would be a bummer. Like that's a stone drag. Like you got to drag the stone. Uh. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder where that came from. Good question. Yeah. Good question, Paco. Yeah. Unanswerable questions. So Mendrick says that he's being harsh on Mickey. And uh, daughter says that maybe there'd be an answer in the book of mystery. And you can see Davey's creeping hard on daughter. He's way hard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Mendrick says that's a great idea. And he tells her and Davey to go check it out. And uh, he'll try using the pocket version of the Book of Mystery to break the spell. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope certainly so. should hope Let's so. Let's hope so. And telling Davy and your daughter, oh, why don't you two go into the library by yourselves? It's like, oh, uh. Mendrick, you are—you do not understand anything. <laughs> what a what a license to drill that is. 
<laughs> Sorry. Wow. That's terrible. So Davy takes daughter to make sweet love in the library or, or to look for the book of mystery, whichever happens first, I think. <laughs> Mickey's scratching himself with the paw, like he's scratching his head at his chest. And Mendrick says he's become quite fond of it, hasn't he? And then Mickey starts panting like a dog, which I guess that's how you got to show people you like things, but yuck. So in the library, daughter leads Davy to this enormous book. It's a big book, isn't it? And then they flirt way too hard and they almost kiss. And in the other room, Mendrick's reading from the little book of mystery and Peter and Mike are tickling Mickey with feathers. And Mike says he doesn't think they're on the right track. And Mendrick says that it works in police stations all over the world. Which, ugh, whatever. Back in the library, Davy can't find the monkey's paw. Like, he's reading it in alphabetical order. I think you spell monkey with a Y. Oh, really? I always thought you spelled it with two E's. Oh, clever. (laughs) So back in the other room, Mendrick has Mickey in front of a gong. And he says by the third hit, he'll something. He gets cut. It's like they cut the, like, the scene there. Like he's saying something and just cut it right off. It says here, by the third gong, you'll hear. So then, uh, and Peter's like cracking his knuckles or whatever. So the guy hits the gong three times. And by the third one, uh, Peter's screaming. And Mendrick says, see, I told you, it works. Yes. <laughs> Wrong monkey, bud. So in the library, <laughs> Davey finds the cure. And now they go running into the other room. And uh, Davy tells them that all they have to do is sell the monkey's paw to someone else and the curse will be broken. Which, I don't know why they didn't think of that, because that's how they got the curse and Mendrick's life changed for the better. But anyway, a lot was going on. They had their first gig in years. So Mike (laughs) says they can only sell it to someone who deserves it, someone who's really nasty. Uh, But offhand, he can't think of anyone like that. And on cue, the manager walks into the room. I just thought of somebody like that. So the manager tells Mendrick that he can come back to work for him. But Mendrick says he's too rich for that, but suggests that uh, he buys the monkey's paw for a quarter. And the manager says that he won't pay a quarter for that. And Mendrick says that's a very special paw and it comes with powers. And he can't think of anyone who deserves it more. You know, not a lie. And the manager says what kind of powers it has. And he says he'll be able to do any, like, to be able to do all of his magic tricks. Which leads us into the monkey's romp with the song Words, which has like a, a creepy, magical sound to it's it. It's true. It was a good choice. Yeah. So this one really works. So Mendrick, he pulls these flowers out of his sleeves and gives them to Peter, and then Peter sneezes. And Mickey's in a top hat and tails and tries to make something appear in his hand, but a handkerchief appears over his arm. And Peter's still sneezing, and Mendrick gives him a handkerchief, but they keep coming out of his coat as he's pulling it like a magician's handkerchief. Then Peter gives the flowers back to Mendrick, and then he sneezes. Mendrick wants Mickey to take a card, but a very specific card that's sticking right out. But Mickey won't <laughs> take it, so Mendrick just takes the card out and gives it to him instead. And uh, Peter steps into a disappearing box, and Mendrick hits it with a wand, and the whole box disappears, but Peter's still there, which is pretty funny, actually, because it's a disappearing box. So far... Um it seems to me that uh, Mike is exercising his no romp clause once again. Yes, yeah, he sticks out. He stays out of these things for the most part. He he hops in at one point, and uh, so Mickey starts eating the card that Mendrick gave him. Then uh, Mendrick gives Mickey a mug to hold on to, and he hits it with his wand, and the mug gets enormous, and Mickey's inside of it, which I, I like that too. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, da- cool. Davy and daughter keep looking at each other approvingly, like they enjoy what's happening here. Mickey has a cape and makes Daughter appear in a little outfit. Or it's another woman. I couldn't tell. They look so similar. 
And then he just starts making out with her. And for some reason, Mendrick really seems into it. So I'm hoping it's another girl, not his daughter. And he's loving it. Plus, Davy's got something going on with the girl. So, so we see another girl in a little outfit. And she uh, sets down a sign that says, The Astonishing Pietro. And it's the old footage of Peter as the magician from the episode Too Many Girls. And then he kills a bird in a paper bag and stuff. And uh, in the now times, Mickey makes a tiny birdcage appear. And Mendrick turns Mickey into Peter, into Mike, into Mickey, who makes who then makes Mendrick disappear. Peter yes. cuts the manager's tie in half, puts a cloth over it, taps on it, reveals that the tie is still cut in half. <laughs> uh, this is where Mike shows up. He gets into the trunk, and uh, Mendrick oh, and Mickey yeah. saw it in half, and they open it up to reveal both Peter and Mike pop out of it. Uh, more old footage of Peter where he pours milk in his hat, flips it over, no milk. Then he puts the hat on his head and milk pours out of it. I like how they show the boys watching it, including Peter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mickey's trying to make something appear in his hand, but he gets cards in his pockets, rings over his arm. So then he starts crying and bops himself on the head and he disappears. And that's the end of the romp. <laughs> so it's kind of a uh, pushing the for- story forward kind of romp. A little bit. It's thematically all magic stuff. Yeah. Including, like, I don't know, how short was this episode? They work in some, like, at least a minute of previously seen Peter footage. Well, it's like last episode, man. We had uh, with them running outside and... Uh, oh, the jumping over the fountain yeah. thing? So they've done that a couple episodes. They haven't had enough to fill it up. But it's a real specific thing. And I guess, hey, we got some magic footage? Yeah, and it works. So it kind of worked out anyway, yeah. but, you know. But then, like, that plus the other grab bag of stuff at the end, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they, had to, they had to pad this one out. So the manager says, like, that's incredible. And he obviously didn't see that every single magic trick didn't really work. <laughs> but <laughs> And so now he wants the monkey's paw, and he throws a quarter at Mike, who tosses him the paw. So the manager tells Mendrick that he doesn't need him anymore, and he'll become rich and famous, and he'll get everything that's coming to him. And Mike says he should try it out. So the manager wishes for a million dollars, and money starts to fall from the sky, and he's super stoked. Way better than wire spaghetti. But then <laughs> some other dude walks in, and he tells him that he's under arrest for not paying taxes on that million dollars, and he's taken away. So back at the pad... Mickey's talking again, and he starts talking like crazy, like like he just ripped three lines of <laughs> Colombian blow, and uh, Mike has to stop him. Guys, it's so great to be able to talk. You just can't understand. You remember when you were showing the pencil? It was not a pencil. It was a crayon. And that's right. Panel. That's, that's right. Let me go. It's getting cold. It's so great to be able Beautiful. to talk. I can talk, 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 talk. I don't use my feet anymore. I can talk. I just talk about anything I want. Talk about anything I want. It's the first time on the album. I want anything else. Anything you want is up. And then they go into the goodbye shtick that they did a couple weeks ago. Well, that wraps up another hilarious 30-minute episode. So this is Michael Nesmith. And Peter Tork. And David Jones. And Mickey Dolenz. Saying, Here we go. Tony down the stream. And uh, that's the end of the story part of the episode. But from here, we cut to the thing that's probably the most memorable part of this episode. It's an outtake where it's like they're trying to set up for a shot. And the boys are all over the place, and they do like the hello, hello, hello. And Davey starts singing a monkey song and stuff. And then Hans Conried as Mendrick, he's sitting behind the desk. He just goes, I hate these fucking kids. Boys, you can be in position already. Already in position. <laughs> right, you're in position. Yes. In and position. Hello. 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 Oh, wait, that's monkey. 
hate these kids. It's not like I hate working with these kids or I hate these kids aren't hitting their marks. He's like, I fucking hate these kids. And I'm wondering if that's one of the first outtakes on television where they include the swearing, but just bleep it out. So everybody knows what he's saying. Yeah, it's unusual. Yeah, so it was pretty crazy. And so you think that's the end, but no, that's not the end either. We cut to an interview with the boys, which really seems like it's thrown on. Like they were just like, do you have an interview? That one, just put it on. But it's too long. Don't worry about it. Just put it on right now. (laughs) And it's Peter saying that the hippie movement is dead and it was buried in San Francisco and it's been replaced by the free, free man movement. And Mike says that that's Peter's own movement movement and has about six people following. (laughs) And someone asked, what about the people walking around with beads and long hair? Are they not hippies anymore? And Peter says that they're free people. And Davey says, oh, he has beads and he's not a hippie. And then Peter gets on him about being a hippie and like your long hair and beads, you're a hippie, hippie. And then Davey asks not to get hit with a stick. Don't hit me with a stick, please. And then Peter goes off on a thing about how Hippies are being blamed for so many things and they bleep out. I think it's weed or he says pot or he says LSD or something, but they bleep out another word that hippies are getting uh, blamed for. And then it just kind of fades out. And then that's just kind of the end of it, which is they played them off Oscar style. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And yeah. And so it's just kind of a weird thing. And it's also weird. I feel for like true blue hippies. You're talking like six, late 65 to 67. That's your hippie time. But then if you're looking outwards yeah. to the mainstream, it's like, no, it's like 69. That's when the hippies were. But that just kind of seemed like that was when the bubble burst and it, the egg oozed all over the country. So now there's yeah. hippies everywhere. Whereas like the true blue, <laughs> like Ken Kesey hippies. Yeah. 67 was the summer of love, but 69 was Woodstock. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it, it's a very interesting thing to, to not to look back on and not be a part of because you have a totally yeah. skewed version of when things actually did happen. It all just seemed like the whole thing happened in probably a few months, but it was stretched out over a few years. Yeah. Well, it's probably like if you're into the Seattle music scene in like 88 to 90, you're like, that was when the mm, Seattle true. music scene happened. And then it got huge <laughs> and famous and it was over by then. But that's when like, everybody's like, this is wicked. And then they got in on it. But anywho. Yeah. So overall thoughts on this episode. I, I thought it was uh, really cool to see an episode of them being a band again. Like it was kind of yes. a centric theme, even though the central theme was this monkey's paw thing, but it was all about them being a band and that was what was screwing them up. So that was kind of neat and unexpected. Yeah. And I think because of like some of the settings and situations and the way the the jokes were structured, it had a bit of a, a first season vibe, but also they did the little, little scene on the mountain and like some other subversive, like kind of weirdo stuff. So it was like a bit of both, you know, and um, and again, Mickey bringing the acting chops again with the whole no talking thing, but just performing and <laughs> singing with his feet. And like, this is another thing you couldn't make any other guys do this in an episode. This is it had to be Mickey. Yeah, that's what I thought too. When it was when I brought up how Mike should have been the one who bought the monkey's pox, he thought it was groovy. I, mm-hmm. It would be a totally, totally different episode if it was Mike. Like, like he would, I wish I could, I wish I didn't even know how to play guitar or something like that. And <laughs> yeah. Mike can't talk. And then like they do a song and he's just sort of standing there inside, not talking like he always does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to be on monkeys at high seas. <laughs> <laughs> For 
for the folks at home, Paco was rubbing the monkey paw there. That was you. I forgot to put the tape over the camera. <laughs> guns in this episode? No. Two in a row. Two in a row, no guns. Pretty amazing, actually. Unreal. I wonder I wonder if we're gonna get more guns in this in this series. This is a Maybe Peter's put his foot down. Perhaps, man. Like, who knows? We'll see. Highlight of the show. For me, it was when Mickey's uh, singing with his feet and bouncing around and dancing. <laughs> that was really funny, I thought. With, uh, oh, what, what, what would be yours? <laughs> Just a crayon I could say. <laughs> I give an honorable mention to when Mickey and Mr. Schneider get in a fight. <laughs> and it also makes Davey yes. crack up. So it worked. That, that was another kind of season one thing where Mr. Schneider is involved. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of fun in this one. Yeah. It, it, being in the pad a lot, too. That was a, a big thing for this episode. Um, fourth wall break. When Peter talks about the union. Yeah. Pros and cons of the union. Yes. There's that. Yeah. yeah. I thought there was one near the... St- Start. Uh, there's that show business. That's right. There's that show business. There's at the very end, and they say, "Well, that wraps up another off. hilarious yeah. episode." So there's a, there's a few there. Uh, best musical yeah. moment, words, because it's there's going downs in there too, but words, it's good to hear. Yeah, well, going downs been getting a lot of play lately. It really it's been has a few uh, few episodes. Yeah. Um, classic monkeys moment. Man. Uh, there's no like catchphrases in this one or anything like that, other than Peter saying that's refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I think them just sort of overtly having the the Marx Brothers, you know, out there. I don't know if this is before or after John Lennon talks about them being sort of like the Marx Brothers. I think it might be after, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, it's kind of nice to see. Uh, and it, it works thematically with the show because Harpo doesn't talk, and in the show, ne- this episode, neither does Mickey. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then how they make fun of it, saying, "Well, no, that's not. Co- there's no commercial value in that act. <laughs> it's the Marx Brothers." <laughs> what wouldn't fly in 2021? Uh, selling something for a quarter. <laughs> I think <laughs> no one would Can't buy get that. Anything for a quarter anymore? <laughs> no. Okay, so now here we are at the Did You Know sections. Um, Henry Beckman, who was the, played the manager, the super dick, he was also in the picture frame as DA. So he's his second appearance with the Monkees. Wow. And uh, he's from, he was born in Nova Scotia, Halifax, oh, no Nova shit. Scotia. That's cool. He has 206 wow. credits. And interesting, with our Welcome Back Cotter tie-ins, he once played <laughs> a character named Sam Malone on an episode of Welcome Back Cotter. Get out of town. Isn't that crazy? How about that? <laughs> Hans Conried uh, has 214 credits. That is a lot Damn, of credits. dude. He was the yeah, voice man. of Captain Hook in the Peter Pan movie. Ooh. And he was the inspiration physically for the father in Sleeping Beauty, the, the uh, Disney movie. And he was originally the voice, but got replaced by his co-star. Well, that's show business. Come on. He was really known for his voice. He had a great voice. Severn Darden, he played the uh, psychiatrist. He has 124 <laughs> credits. He was also in Monkeys vs. Machine, as we talked about, as J.B. Guggins Jr. And uh, he's, the, uh, he's the Alec Baldwin, Coffees for Closers, one scene wonder in this, in this episode. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in the movie Back to School and Real Genius, Whoa. as well as uh, Conquer of the Planet of the Apes. And 
He was in the Ghostbusters TV series in the 1970s, which almost made Ghostbusters the movie change its name before it got made. Damn. And so as a psychiatrist, he was reprising a famous role of his where he plays a psychiatrist. Huh. So that's why they brought him in. Wow. And uh, Mary Ashley, she played daughter. She only has four credits. That's it. <laughs> Getting lazy with the names, Coslo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, it gave her nothing. Give her nothing. <laughs> we'll, we'll put the names in later. <laughs> then it's like shooting day. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. And so that is um, the monkey's paw. Just fit right in with the monkey's theme and everything. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh. Yeah, once again this season, they're using kind of a classic story and putting it through the sitcom prism of the monkeys and uh, found a chance to get on stage, uh, put two tunes in an episode, which doesn't happen all the time these days. No. And while they were shooting this episode, I'm not sure you know this, but did you know while they were in the middle of shooting this episode, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones hit the shelves mid-November 1967. Wowee. That was under a lot of trees that year, I bet you. I hope so. Okay, well, hey. I'm hearing that familiar sound. Everybody's favorite second half of the episode. The random at a countdown featuring the wool hat of mystery back in the house. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I think it's my turn today. It for is. The it first is. pull. Reach on in. <laughs> she makes me laugh. She makes me laugh. She makes me smile. And I could hang out with her all day and Alright, so uh She Makes Me Laugh by the Monkeys from the album Good Times 2015, written by Rivers Cuomo. Three perfect minutes of music yeah i love this song so much i mean uh, allow me to paint a picture for you paco in 2015 i was uh, just starting a new job a better paying job and uh the muppets had a brand new tv show on abc this all happened the same day i started the new job and I, the muppet show came out and during this first couple weeks out came the video for she makes me laugh and it's got the comics, and the tune itself is amazing. And it was, this was out a, a little while before the uh, album itself came out. I think they put out a few singles first. But this, holy jeez. Like, this, this was like peak awesomeness to have a lot of good things happening for me, including a brand new Monkees record that sounds incredible. Yeah, and that was definitely a thing that, uh, not to talk garbage, but like it was a new Monkeys record wasn't always like, this is going to be an amazing record. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> you're stoked to hear it, you hear it, and you listen to the songs you like this and that, but it was always kind of an uneven vibe. But yeah. Good Times was not an uneven vibe. It was I, amazing all the way through. The 12-string guitar. Yeah. Like, like Schlesinger set it up to sound like a monkey's record. Yeah. It sounds like it could be the four dudes in the garage or at the beach house. Yeah. It's just rocking. Yeah. It's the, the 12 string guitar, the, the bass and the drums and the tambo, maybe some keyboards here and there. And this was like so good with the harmonies and during the chorus with the, they say cry and it kind of got the undercuts of that minor key sadness kind of, and, oh, 
it's just so good. I must have watched his video like 50 times the day it came out. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, definitely, we've said it before, so we won't drag on it too much, but this was a monkey. The monkeys always tried to seem to f- want to fit the time the record was coming out. Like when Pulit came out, yeah. it sounded like the 80s. When Justice came out, it kind of sounded like the 90s. But then this Good Times record sounded like the monkeys in the 60s. The monkeys everybody wanted to hear and see. And that was another great thing about the videos was it played off the monkeys from the TV show, that era of monkeys. And so the songs gave you that nostalgic vibe. The videos give you the nostalgic vibe. And especially this one with the comic book, because... Man, yeah. if you were around for the, like Archie comics and stuff like that, when you see this video, yeah, yeah. you can smell this video. Like it <laughs> yes. smells like that newsprint. It's got even like the 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 print. Like when it's colored in, it would go over the lines yeah. on their hands or something yeah. like that. You get really close to it, you can see the dots. Yeah, exactly. So and um, go on. I wonder if this video was made in a computer or if they made it and printed it out and then just scanned it and put it in. Because if it was made on a computer, they made it look perfect. Perfect, perfect. Oh, because there was monkey comics back then, right? Is it from them? Did they scan those in and just take the words out true. of the bubbles? It could be. That's true. I don't know 100% know that there's, because I'm not sure they made all this up for this. Yeah. But, but it like, just props also to uh, Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. Definitely. Author of two amazing records and a bunch of other ones. <laughs> but to contribute this tune and like the imagery that the lyrics give you, uh, it, it's, it feels like we'll play some Scrabble with the guys. Yeah. And, you know, when you hear Mickey say play some Scrabble with the guys, it's the boys at the pad, you know? Exactly, yeah. And it feels like a fun, it's like a monkey song. Yeah. You, know, you could imagine them singing it and acting it out. And living it. It's so cool. And the bridge, no matter whatever else I do, just a rock and roll thing of, it might not make grammatical sense, but it makes rock and roll sense. <laughs> exactly. Those are two very different things. All right. So were, were you putting this one in here, my friend? Great, great question, Paco. I'm going to put this between Valerie and going down. Oh, wow. It's It's up there for me, man. All right. I'll, I'll I'll let you go with it, and that's still not even our, our highest charting uh, good time song. You bring the summers a few spots ahead. I'm comfortable with that. Okay, it's our it's our highest charting song with the word laugh in it. Let's say <laughs> that's good. So uh, Baco, I believe it's your turn to yep. get your phalanges. Here we go. Into here the we go. Old All right, I got something here. I've got Acapulco Sun. Ooh. Acapulco Sun off of the Changes album. I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Three three different minutes of music than the three minutes we just heard. Like, remember when this used to be the last Monkeys album? That's crazy to even think that, but yeah, that would have been... Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of Tombstone. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's not, again, it's not like it's a bad song, but it doesn't really go anywhere. It, yeah. Like, I've, like it's got the vibe. There's a bunch of Mickey music. I'm not sure how much solo Mickey music you've listened to, but, uh, like, uh, it's the sound of a guy who takes a lot of vacations. Like, good for him. But, like, he's just got, he's kind of laid back all the time when it comes through in the sounds and the music. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's not like a, yeah, it's a lazy jam. And not saying like it's a lazy <laughs> written jam. It's like if you're just yeah. lazing. It, I bet you if you're on the beach, mm-hmm. you're a couple beers in or something like that. Yeah. This is it's like got a, that. Uh, it's got that pinchy kind of uh, brown-eyed girl yeah. that's been going on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So hey, uh, anyway, and, it, I, and a touch of that changes bass never hurts either. Am I right? Yeah, and it, it has the sound of it. It's, it's not as uh, extraordinary <laughs> as some of the other songs, but it has that agreed nice round agreed. warm bass sound. Absolutely. Okay. All that said, where where are you going to put it? <laughs> okay, here, I'm going to put it, um, our song that is like the mark between the marmalades and the jellies is P.O. Box 9847. Agreed. I'm going to put it right below that at number 100. <sighs> so at the new number 100 is Acapulco Sun from Changes, sung by Mickey. Not a bad song, just not a great song. But if we put out a Monkey's 100 right at this very moment, it'd be on it. Yep, yep, it's in the Hot 100. We'd have to have a horrible string of song pulls to (laughs) keep this at number 100. (laughs) (laughs) The podcast gets canceled before we get to the end. I'll cancel it. (laughs) That's show business. Well, that's show business. All right. Senor Paco, pass me the hat. All right, homie. Let's bring it home. Let's, uh, I guess we've, we've done pretty good so far, I guess. We've done worse. No dirds. We've done worse recently. Hang on, you're scared. Oh, dude. It's While I Cry. Ooh. Some of you may be like, no, you've played While I Cry. But we we did play While I Cry, but it was during our Michael Nesmith uh, tribute show at the very end. Yes. They told me what you'd do if I ever stayed with you. They told me that you'd laugh while I cried. Ooh. Ooh. So. Man, oh, man. I got the... I still get the music tingles. Yeah, man. That's a... The back of my head, the back of my neck, and I, I kind of want to cry. Yeah. I mean, The While I Cry, written and sung by Michael Nesmith from the 1968 album Instant Replay. Like, we just passed the anniversary of the release of Instant Replay, and, like, on the gram, the little blurb was, like, crazy cool at the monkey's music, which I guess describes, like, kind of the, the diversity and, like, the the sleeve design but there are some dark heavy themes on this album and it's it's like like concept album about loss and disillusionment and <laughs> if i may just quote real quick from uh, wikipedia instant replay is the seventh studio album by the monkeys issued 11 months after the cancellation of the show it is also the the first album released after Peter left the group and the only album of the original nine studio albums that does not include any songs featured in the TV show. Wow. So it is kind of like 
this sort of the standalone vibe of this album and but like what songs from this album would you put in the show yeah that's very true while i cry itself is uh incredibly played and sung that descending guitar line that just goes down deeper and deeper and uh, the backing vocals apparently sung it sounds like a lot of mics <laughs> layered up but i think uh, harry nilsson is in there somewhere and he also um, plays guitar on it oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, and uh, i believe fast eddie ho on the kit yep yeah and john Wonderful. osborne on bass very cool and like obviously i love this song i remember learning how to play this on guitar i think you do too yep and um it just means a lot and uh on a lot of different levels and it was the second song inside two of instant replay another three minute banger which in terms of monkey songs are kind of long songs <laughs> yeah yeah i think even acapulco's son was over three minutes <laughs> it just felt like it i think it was right around three minutes <laughs> And, All three of today's songs, right? The, the three-minute magic area. And it's not, another thing with this song is uh, it's a slow jam. It's quiet, which I'm not usually into. Or I'm not <laughs> always into, but this one I really am. And it's also got uh, that fantastic bridge that yes. everything kind of picks up and starts chugging along, and it's a, a really great thing. And then when it comes back out of that bridge with Mike, he uh, hits that falsetto-ness, and it goes up high. It just cries over, over the hillside, kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's the, the vulnerability of it is kind of rare from Nesmith, for sure. Indeed, and it kind of shows where he... I feel as a songwriter, man, he never got his due almost because of the Monkees connection. And uh, Kinda, yeah. this is a song that really showed him really stretching out and showing what was up. And another great song, another great thing about this song is at, at the very last verse, it just slows down. It doesn't even get yeah. to the last note. It's like a, like a, a wind up toy yeah. that doesn't quite get to clink to that last note and it just leaves you hanging it just, there. It just kind of stops. And sure enough, it all came true. And you're right, in terms of the quality of the song, if you told me Neil Diamond wrote it, if you told me Goffin and King wrote it, I'd, I'd, I'd believe it. Yeah. Because this is just a beautiful piece of music. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm going to put this ahead of Getting In and right behind Mary Mary, 38. I think this is not just a, we're throwing a monkey's party chart. I think it's a, a tune quality chart and what it means to us. And uh, I'm putting it at 38. Would you like to exercise your right to slide it around no no put her in so our new number 38 is while i cry written and sung by mike nesmith from instant replay our favorite sad record <laughs> all right so another successful round of the randomatic countdown that was an adventure <laughs> it's interesting because you always think like what could be left what could be left and then we pull out some great tunes it's like oh yeah we pull out like two of our favorite songs <laughs> and while i cry <laughs> All right, so thanks for checking us out. We hope everyone had a good time on this episode. I wish this episode would never end. Oh, I'm holding the <laughs> monkey spa. <laughs> All right, everyone, from me, Paco. And me, Jeff. Have yourselves a monkey's little evening. Thank you. Bye-bye.